we will parenthetically pause from our study in John for December and consider the birth of the Christ. with four points, the first to be made today, which is the place of his birth, then next time the peculiarity of his birth, the purpose of his birth, and finally on Christmas Day, the proclamation of his birth. Let's consider, first of all, the place of his birth. All of this is in the will of God, of course, according to his divine purpose. And we learn something about this little place, Bethlehem, if we go back and start at where it's first mentioned in the Bible. And that would be in Genesis chapter 35. Well... see. My batteries ran out. No? Okay. Let me try this. It's acting funny. Was that me or you? That was you? Let me go backwards. They're too weak. No, was that me or you? Huh? That was me. A little pause to it. Okay. Let me put my spirit in these batteries and see if that helps any. It hadn't been but about four years since I changed them. Here we go. The place of his birth. Bethlehem's story. All the way back then to Genesis chapter 35. The place of the son of sorrow who became the son of of power. Here we are in Genesis. A little background first. Jacob had been on the run from Esau. They reconciled and Jacob was still in another place. Succoth And he had become acquainted with Shechem, his sons and the people there in the city where Shechem lived. And so the proposal was made by Shechem that Israel could provide daughters to his sons and he would provide his daughters to Israel's to Jacob's sons. And during that time, an evil thing happened. The prince of Shechem, the the chief son of Shechem, his name was Hamor, mistreated Dinah, daughter of Jacob. Two of Two of the sons of uh, Jacob, Simeon and Levi, 
made up this elaborate plan so that in the course of the plan, which rested on the proclamation from the sons of Jacob that the men of Shechem had to be circumcised before they could allow intermarriage. And so they agreed to that. And while the men were still unable to fight, those two sons of Jacob came in and killed them. Deceived them and killed them is a horrible thing. Of course, Jacob was displeased. So it was time to move on. God came to Jacob and spoke to him and told him to go back to Bethel, which he would call Bethel. And so he loaded up all of his servants and all of his family and they, made, they started making their way back. And as they came into that area, and at the time it was called Ephrat, which was known later at a time as Bethlehem. Rachel, his wife, was suffering in a bad labor with child from which she died delivering the child. But as she weakened and just before she died, she said, call this place Ben-Anoni the son of my sorrow. Then she died, but Jacob wouldn't name it that. He or wouldn't name his son that. Instead of calling him the son of sorrow, he proclaimed that this was Benjamin, the son of his power, the son of his right hand, which is to be understood, the son of power. Benjamin. The significance of the place is seen in the names here. And it came to pass when her soul was departing, for she died. She called his name Ben-Ani. His father called him Benjamin. It was the place where the son of sorrow became the son of power. This place that would become known as Bethlehem Ephrata. Bethlehem. Bethlehem Ephrata. It's an interesting distinction that's to be made later on. Um, but we keep into mind the account that this was the Bethlehem where the last son of Jacob was born. And it was there at that place while all of this was going on during this time frame that Yahweh said to Jacob, this land is yours. You will become a great nation a great people and prosper and your people will be great. You won't be called Jacob anymore, but from now on you will be called Israel. 
And so it was there that the story of Bethlehem begins in the Bible. When you think of how in the Revelation, the imagery of a woman travailing greatly in birth and finally gives birth, it speaks of the nation of Israel and all of the troubles that Israel went through finally to bring into the world the Christ of God who would become the King of Kings in the Revelation, of course, 19. And when you think of how that's mentioned, that it looks as though he is a son of sorrow because of all of the sorrows that that woman who is Israel had suffered. And yet, finally when he comes, he's the son of power. A great story to be considered, a great truth, even a prophecy, a prophecy in a place and in the names of the final and last son of Israel, Benjamin. Bethlehem then, first of all, is a place where son of sorrow becomes son of power. Next, it's the place of the kinsman redeemer. We move on from about 1800 B.C., to 1100 BC in the time of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And we look at the two verses here in the book of Ruth, one verse 22 and two verse one. Naomi returned with Ruth, her daughter-in-law, the Moabitess from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now Naomi knew a man of great wealth of the family of her husband, Elimelech. Boaz was his name. Now Ruth was from the Moabites and they were a cursed people in the minds of Israelites. But in a difficult time, the sons of Elimelech and Naomi found Wives. The only one who returned with Naomi was Ruth. And if you study what she says, her great profession was to Naomi, your God will be my God and your people will be my people. Entwined into the fabric of the history of Israel was the truth of the coming Messiah. And that belief was held as dearly in the days of the judges as it was at any other time. God had meticulously defined the lineage that would be separated from the others which finally would lead to the great Messiah. This is just an incident along the way. Bethlehem was nothing. It was insignificant. It was less than insignificant. It was just a place where people 
gathered agriculturally and they brought in their gathering at harvest and it was just a place where people farmed. And they had, a, they had a, an economy where they just su- supplied for each other. One of the great leaders of that place was a landowner, Boaz. He was wealthy. He was a little bit older and he had no children, had, hadn't been married. Interestingly, however, he was descended from Judah. He's a a Judahite, a Jew. And the only hope for existence that Naomi and then Ruth had would be if Boaz graciously joined all that he was in his wealth to all that they were in their poverty. A kinsman redeemer. A goel. It was a a law, an understood rule among the Jews that he could join himself to Ruth and she could become his wife, but he would have to strike into the rule and the law of the kinsman redeemer. And once that he would do that, he would never be what he had been And she would never be what she was. For joining himself to her, he would become her kinsman redeemer. If they didn't have this, they had nothing. Otherwise, Ruth was accursed among the Israelites. Naomi was a poor widow with no way to make a living. In their poverty and in their pitiful state, there was only one who could help them. Only one who could redeem them. Only one who could provide for them and make of them something they never dreamed they could be made into, and that was the kin of the kinsman Redeemer. So as the story develops, and you know the story very well, finally all the things, the details were taken care of. And Boaz became her kinsman, Redeemer. Everything that he had was laid on the table. He would empty himself of himself so that she could might, that she might could partake of what was his. Kinsman Redeemer. A beautiful, beautiful prospect. Matter of fact, the the term is first used in Job. It's the same word in the Hebrew text. When Job said, I know that my, my Kinsman Redeemer lives. And he will care for me. First, Bethlehem is seen in the Bible as the place where 
through a series of cruel events, the son of sorrow, by the declaration of his father, became the son of power. Secondly, it's seen where Bethlehem was the home of the very one, the only one who could deliver Ruth and then Naomi from the abject poverty and completely lost state they were in. The only one who could deliver them would be the only kinsman redeemer they had, who was Boaz. There was another sort of a left-handed kinsman redeemer, but he didn't want to have anything to do with her. The law can't redeem us. It takes grace. And so graciously, Boaz became their kinsman redeemer. Go all the way to the end of the book of Ruth, which is a little short book. And a genealogy is given, and it says that Boaz and Ruth begat Obed. Obed begat Jesse. Jesse begat David. Thus it would be known as the city of David because David would be born there. The place where the son of sorrow became the son of power. The place where the kinsman redeemer laid aside all that he was and joined himself to the poverty of those whom he would claim as his own. It's also the place where God would become a man. Micah chapter five and verse two. And you Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are insignificant among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall emerge for me the one to be ruler in Israel whose comings forth from old, from days or times of eternity. The comings forth is a better translation really than origin for the Christ of God has no origin but he comes out of eternity and into time and his days are from his time or his existence from eternity from of old God became a man in Bethlehem Bethlehem the place where the son of sorrow became the son of power the place where the kinsman redeemer laid aside all that he was that he might save those whom he claimed as his own. The place where almighty God stepped out of eternity and into time and emerged to become a man. 
a son of power, a kinsman redeemer, God who became a man, the birthplace of the king. It's found in 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 and 13. Yahweh said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go and I will send to you Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king from among his sons. Then Samuel took the horn oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon little David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The place where the king was born. You remember, maybe it was last time, Pilate in the three major languages of the world put the sign on the cross, the king of the Jews, Jesus of Nazareth. The king of the Jews. Caesar Augustus issued his decree for the world to be counted in a census. Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem, the city of David, because they were descendants of David, Jesus the son of David, the place where the king was born, where the son of sorrow became the son of power, where the kinsman redeemer emptied himself and joined himself to his own, the place where God would become a man, the place where the king of kings was born. Finally, it all comes down to this, the place where Christ was born. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. The story of the Savior is written in the story of Bethlehem in the Bible. And all that was proclaimed of him finally comes to rest on Jesus. The angel said, You will call his name Eshua, Jesus, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The story of Bethlehem, the story of Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?
and know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. And sent his spirit that he might call his own to himself, that we might be saved. If you're here today without Christ and you know that God is calling you into Christ, we have deacons and their wives waiting to pray with you and to talk with you as you exit just outside these doors right across the hall. You'll see them standing in those doors of those rooms. Maybe you're here and God leads you to come and be a part of Shiloh. They can handle those details as well if that's what God wants in your life. For now, let's all prayerfully stand and we'll be dismissed.